Well, we've all had that <clears throat> marvelous experience that we've wanted to hang on to and uh, keep and hold. And this poem is about that. It's called Recipe. There's a deep want for this recipe, a June night and the first fireflies, the big moon sailing high on the long ships of clouds, honey locust sweeping down, dropping perfume like gardenias. My old dog slows our walk for the proper meditation. Soft voices are the norm now as nighttime bodies bend and kneel. I feel my own heart and breath stopping feet, stopping sound on this holy street in this holy town. Donna McClurkin. Milkweed, after Joy Harjo. In an old barn, nine women gather in a perfect circle in late October, in the soft part of the day, and open brittle gray pods to separate fluff from seed. They do the work of the world in this barn, in which they linger, in which the smell of hay lingers, performing communion in that way we put ourselves in the way of something larger. Another time, it would be quilts they create in patterns of pinwheels, flying geese, and stars. But they know the way the caterpillar bends into J and folds green over green until it is something else. Outside, Everywhere is the cooking earth. Every creature hanging from the 13th floor window. Hooves, horns, spores, tentacles, and tusks, and trunks, paws, and gills, and hands pressed white. After she showed me the chrysalis, I planted milkweed, and later wrote to someone I love, how will you live in a world without butterflies? Scuba diving. There are deeper places to go than I had even imagined. As a child, I thought I knew intimately what no one else could see. Beyond surface skin sealing us into expectations, beyond the spectrum of emotion allowed to well-behaved adults never questioned their own hard limits. To me, there was always further to fall. Always more to the picture, always subtext below the speech like spires of coral or a submerged iceberg lurking dangerously just out of sight. This is where I lived. And yet, I could not breathe there. 
where fish before unseen made homes of plants whose leaves never touched the light. These places were too dark even for me, and I found my lungs too full for bottled air. Under pressure, my heart held fiercely to assumption, safety, real life, rules that maintained no authority underwater. Sometimes I've found that feeling of having to let go of something so vital as my own breath, bringing death too close, pressed against my body like a wall of water wrapped, the only escape, drowning so completely in my own fear that I can no longer grasp this reality. Somehow, there is a world below the surface, somehow holding up a world above. Somehow, I can breathe in both worlds if I only convince myself to take it in. My name is Laura Livingstone McNellis. This is a poem to honor spring, a season of renewal and reconnecting. And the poster over there, the east, kind of gives you a clue about the subject. I wandered lonely as a cloud by William Wordsworth. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high over vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze. Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched a never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand I saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in a sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they, no, the daffodils outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not be but gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. My name is Nicholas Baxter. I used to call myself an addict because I would examine the bottom of so many bottles and sacks of drugs looking for the answer to the question, what is love? Is it bad habits held higher than healthy choices? Is it relying upon forgiveness from God above because what better way than a man-made mistake to make him prove his existence? Forgiveness, love, peace, proof that all human beings have a purpose. While versed in the struggles and successes our existence is riddled with, selected naturally we adapt, we evolve, we paint history with life precious. Personally perceived thoughts isolated from a life we may not agree with, we may not believe in, yet we must accept happiness, sadness, weakness and strength, life's gifts, 
war, famine, death, addiction. Forgiven by one. Last sentences written by all, proving we are not invincible, we are not invisible, we are a collection of choices and various endings, people we leave behind, we'll never forget, even after death. This poem is about a connection to one of my very oldest friends, and his nickname is Billy Shakespeare. I gave him that nickname in high school because he had a way with words. Um, There's just one other thing you need to know about Billy Shakespeare. Um, After most of his lifetime spent um, as a 'er ne'er-do-well, he took a bet during a drunken bender that he would not make anything out of himself, and and he did, and he made good on that bet, and he became an attorney at about age 45. Um, but the only job he could find practicing law was as a um, traveling attorney. So he goes all over the country doing jobs here and there, spending long, long weeks and months away from his family. I wrote this a couple of years ago about me and Billy. It's called Bittersweet. Last year, they sugared off the maples by Valentine's Day. This year, spring is so late that the sap stayed in the trees far longer than usual. Factoid, this makes the maple sugar content really high. Michigan's pure maple syrup will be the best in a decade. I will get you some so you'll have the taste of home where you are now, Billy Shakespeare, living in a hotel apartment with thin towels in Texas. Billy Shakespeare hates the oxymoronic residence motel term. He misses his wife, who is a gypsy, literally, and far better suited than him to this lifestyle. If only they could trade places and he could keep the home fires burning. I've decided that she's almost good enough for him, almost having carefully reviewed all the candidates since the fifth grade. Billy is my oldest friend in the world, not counting my family. Billy's wife's last name is Longacre, factoid. Anytime you hear that name, you've got a traveler, real Roma, whose ancestors' only home was the slender strip of grass along the road where they traveled with their caravan. Billy and I take turns carrying the albatross of our similar nature about too much dark thinking and feeling. We made up the acronym Twin foe, the friend who is not freaking out. We use it to gauge whose turn it is to be the twin foe. After plucking our despair over one thing or another, we wash our hands of it for a while. We move on, recalling the best homemade pie we ever had, filling ourselves with sweet thoughts of peaches, rhubarb, puppies, hollyhocks, grandmothers, and Led Zeppelin. Currently, Billy is sleeping with Harper Lee and his banjo that knows all the old-timey tunes. He sends this text. They say life is a comedy for those who think and a tragedy for those who feel. Factoid, it is Atticus Finch Day in Brazos County. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy.
we thumb our phones like rosary beads. Good morning, sunshine. Nope, not even hardly. There are a million gray and rainy reasons I am not the twin foe today, I write. 1,200 miles away, he's making sweet potato pancakes for breakfast. Forget all that, he texts me back. He's setting a plate for me. Okay. Brightening. I'll bring syrup. Another way we connect to one another at Peoples is through the gift of our resources. We combine our time, talent, and treasure to enhance our community inside and outside these walls. And with whatever resources you support our greater community, I thank you for your generosity. In the spirit of that connection, we now gather the offering. See you there on your veranda, joining work with a poet's friend, a soul on fire on your veranda, burning hope and grace, fear and dread, tangled in the poet's thread.
Daryl, that was beautiful. I invite you all to join me in speaking the thanks for all that sustains us. From the countless gifts we each have been given, gifts of life and love and sustenance, we bring these small portions to share in the works of love which none of us can accomplish alone. So I'm Chris Schluter, and this is The Blame Game. The scientists are saying that our climate is changing, and to save the earth, we need more greenhouse gas regulation. Corporations are polluting the world. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the corporations, said, let's cut down emissions. They said, the sentiment's nice, but we've got competition. We can't afford to change if others don't. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the competitors to come up with a solution. They said to break with our ways, we must first break this union. Our workers make unfair demands. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the union leader to plead my case. He said, we can't do anything while we're being replaced. Immigrants have taken our jobs. They're the ones to blame. At the immigration office, the lawyer I talked with said, technology took the jobs, not immigrants. That's a myth. CEOs only see a bottom line. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the CEOs hoping to finally get closure. They said for us to keep our jobs, we have to please our shareholders. If the states don't create enough jobs, they're the ones to blame. So I went to the governor and said, let's fix unemployment. She said, I will if you fix my citizens' disappointment. Protesters have shut down the streets. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the protesters, and they held up their hands, saying, how can we feel safe when cops kill unarmed black men? If the law doesn't follow the law, they're the ones to blame. So I went down to the station where an officer confessed that he thought he saw a gun, he was scared, and he guessed. The times you just don't know what to do, they're the ones to blame. So I went to a congressman and said, let's regulate guns. He said... I can't get reelected without the NRA's funds. Anyway, we need to protect ourselves against terrorists. They're the ones to blame. So I went to a terrorist and asked why he attacked. He said, no one ever cared about me, so I just proved it right back. It was the only way to get others' attention. They're the ones to blame. So to society, I said, we need people to feel less alone. It said, we build social norms, but we're not in people's homes. If parents aren't there for their kids, they're the ones to blame. So I went to meet the parents, but met the daughters and sons, whose mothers were all working to make more income. If people choose work over their family, they're the ones to blame. So I went to the working mothers, who also tended the nest. They said, we're equal to men, but but are appreciated less. We can't let men abuse their power. They're the ones to blame. 
So I went to the men who were looking like fools, and they said, We misread the signals. No one taught us the rules. If the schools aren't teaching good conduct, they're the ones to blame. So I went to the teachers who said they do what they can, but it's hard to teach children without attention spans. Smartphones are changing the way our brains work. They're the thing to blame. So I posted on social media that we should put down our phones, but I had to keep checking the comments so I couldn't put down my own. Uh, It's people who have the best intentions. They're the ones to blame. Uh, So I went to the people who thought they knew best. They said, how can we let unborn babies be sentenced to death? It's people who tolerate abortion. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the clinic and said, let's all be pro-life. So we were, and the population exploded overnight. People who have more kids than they can afford, they're the ones to blame. So I went to the government and asked, can we help the poor? They said, we would if we could, but there's a war to pay for. The enemy just won't give up. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the enemy and said, we need to make peace. They said, until you leave our country, the fighting will not cease. Your soldiers came to our land. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the soldiers and asked, why come to their land? They said, it wasn't our choice. We just follow our command. The general gives the orders. He's the one to blame. So I went to the general and said, let's call off the mission. He said, sounds good to me, but I don't have the permission. I report to the president and administration. They're the ones to blame. So I said, Mr. President, we need to give up this war. He said, it's my decision. That's what people put me here for. If you don't like who the voters put in, they're the ones to blame. So I went to the voters and asked, why'd you vote him in? They said, if everyone voted, that guy wouldn't win. It's all the people who didn't vote. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the non-voters and asked, why didn't they vote? They said, the constant media made us reach for the remote. The media distorts the truth. They're the ones to blame. So I asked the media, why not tell the truth? They said, the minute we stopped, our ratings went through the roof. People tune in to what they want to hear. They're the ones to blame. But I wanted to stay informed, so I kept on the news. But I only watched the stations that reinforced my own views. It's people who never seek out what is different. They're the ones to blame. So I started dressing in drag to wear a different costume, but I was told people who look like me can't use either restroom. It's people who don't fit in with what's traditional. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the LGBT community to, be, to debate don't ask, don't tell, and they said, if you don't believe like Christians, then you're going to hell. It's people who discriminate in the name of religion. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the high priest and asked him what he'd been preaching. He said, no time for that now. Do you know what these scientists are teaching? Evolution? God knows. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the scientists to talk of higher laws and affairs. They said, we put our faith in facts, not in hoping on prayers. Anyway, corporations are polluting the world. They're the ones to blame. So I went to the corporation, said, let's cut down emissions. They said, the sentiment's nice, but we've got competition. We can't afford to change if others don't. They're the ones to blame. This is an ode to fermentation, and it begins with a uh, 
Kraut Prayer by Eli Brown. Myriad beings beneath my sight, thank you for your transformations. May you nourish me as I nourish you. May you thrive in me as I thrive on the earth. In all the worlds, may nourishment follow hunger as the echo follows the call. Sometimes I feel like a mad scientist collaborating with tiny beings with capricious habits and vast transformative powers. Yeasts surfing through the air aboard particles of dust. Wild foods possess a great unmediated life force, like mead, the child of honey, the drink of the gods, and Nankasi, goddess of beer, whose name means you who fill my mouth so full. Discovery Bay. There is a bridge in Jamaica, that is to say, a dirt road with no rails over water, boasting the legend of Martha Bray, who held a treasure so precious she capsized the boat of her kidnappers rather than reveal it to thieves. Local divers and fishermen still search the green waves, dredging the gravel and mud with persistence that looks like desperation from afar. But there's a fine line to walk with legends. To discover what you're searching for is to destroy the crusade that guides you, and the promise of treasure is far greater motive than the realization of disappointment. Generations from now, a child will be playing by the ocean where parents have warned her not to play. Perhaps she will find the treasure, split open on the sand, rubies and emeralds scattered like pebbles on the shore, or perhaps gold coins bearing the heads of British royalty worth more than her entire country, flat and worn with the tide. Perhaps she will uncover a small metal box crusted with salt, a rusted lock. She will hit it with a rock, and when it opens, she will find the truth, what we've been looking for all along, something worth dying for. And it will not be ornate or profound as priests and politicians have embroidered truth over time to decorate their agendas. The truth, when she finds it, will be small. Perhaps it will be as simple as a word waiting for a child to discover its meaning. Love, courage, freedom. Maddie Stepanek was only 13 years old when he died due to severe health issues. Despite his challenges, he managed to write six volumes of poetry, some of which appeared in the New York bestsellers list. He was a self-described poet, philosopher, and peacemaker. President Jimmy Carter honored him as a peacemaker and wrote the foreword of his book, one of Maddie's books, this one, Journey Through Heart Songs. This is Maddie's poem called For Mr. Thompson. The people who like poetry are special. They are the same people who hear lullabies and wind chimes 
when the birds are noisy together. They are the ones who see star gifts in every season, tree stars in the fall, snow stars in the winter, dandelion fairy stars in the spring, and lightning bug stars in the summer. They are the ones who have favorite colors that are wonderful gifts, like sunset, or rainbow, or treasure. They are the ones who have a song in their heart and words in their mind that come together and slip out into the air or onto paper as a gift to someone else or even themselves. The people who like poetry are probably the ones who really like life and who know how to celebrate even when things are sad or happy. We poets remember that sometimes, even if we don't understand why, that the rain falls for a reason. We remember how important it is to play after a storm just because we need to keep playing and living. And we are the people who remember to say thank you to God for our gifts. Um, This poem is for the beauty that comes and goes in life. I wrote it in uh, a cabin out by Lake Michigan in the woods. It's called Witness. Out the window, May beech leaves are taking shape, uncurling briefly in the sun. Platters of the lime green light shimmer in layers round the grayest pillar of a trunk. Next door, the hemlock holds its longest arms, stretching elegant across the rail, beckoning like an old friend. Come, I have something for you. Out the door, and he is on the wooded stage, glancing back through glass and dreams, searching for a worthy prayer or a song to sing among the trees. Holding moments on his heart, the witness must needs pause for strength to bear both the beauty sought and the flower falling loudly and again.
at the birds of the air They do not reap, nor sow, nor gather into bonds And yet your heavenly Father feeds them Are you not worth much more than they are? And who of you by being worried Can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Just look at how the lilies of the field grow. challenges and opportunities you've given. Thank you for our senses functioning correctly, for strong legs, a straight back, and our bodies. Thank you for freedom, charity, love, and existence. The atheists, the agnostics, and the ability to question God. Creator of all the universe and existence. Bless this world and everyone in it. Power the oppressed, strengthen the weak, breathe life into lifelessness, make music out of silence, poetry out of darkness, community out of conscience. Amen. We are now going to write people's poem together. I invite you to take out your cell phone. And as the microphone that you will not be tapping, blowing into, or shifting buttons upon comes to you, Would you share the response if someone made one to your message that was sent earlier today? If it's a really long thing, pick your favorite brief sentence out of it. I don't want you to feel compelled to give me any backstory. I don't need to know what you said to them. Just the clip that came back to you. And we're going to just flow 
mic one person to the next through the whole group if you care to share. If there is a text in there that's better than anything that somebody sent to you this morning, but you've been keeping it around for a while, so you look at it and it reminds you of the goodness of your life and your friends and your loved ones, that one's okay to read too. Or if you don't want to read anything at all and you just hand that mic off, that's also a way to participate in the experience of sharing these words. So if my microphone wranglers want to begin. Here is People's Poem. Hugs. Nothing yet, but I'll see him tomorrow. From a letter, it was so good to hear from you. Almost there. I already knew that. <laughs> Did you ever wake up for the rest of the game? Thanks. Getting my 17 in now. Celebrate. I can't wait to see the spring flowers from the bulbs we planted in the fall. Go on without me. I didn't sleep last night. I'm going back to sleep. Thank you for the invite, though. I may have eaten too many chia seeds. <laughs> Good morning. All good over here. You chose me. You two, all good. I can't wait for baseball. That's okay, it's fixed now. <laughs> I forgive you, exclamation point, heart side. Love you too. Thinking of you too. That's going to be the highlight of my day. I am so glad to have you as my sister and friend. Thumbs up emoji. Thank you. It was tough, though. I was crying on the inside. How many times there can't be enough time for me to tell you what an absolutely amazing gift you gave to my family? Winky face, love you. <laughs> Nature Center? 
sweet Rosie. I'm so freaking thankful for you. Don't apologize. I'm a recluse too. I hope you had a great birthday, and I miss you dearly. Love you, too. See you this afternoon. I'm happy to have my daughter and son-in-law here for the weekend. Fenders, not genders. Thank you so very much. Love you, too. We have to get together soon. You would be a great contributor. Thank you for doing this. It is exciting to experience your journey. It all makes sense. Yes, I love it. I can't wait to volunteer with you. Big smiley face. Hmm. Hope you have a great day. Glad you're still here. Yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Walk gently along the path of life and enjoy the stops along the way. I'd love to come sing with you. I won't get there until 6.30. I really do know about that. But can you please call tomorrow morning? (laughs) (laughs) You are my best friend, best of outcomes. I enjoy your company. Dessert is perfect. I'll grab something. Chocolate, lemon, cheesecake. What do you like? I love you more. I love you more. Hey, Mama. Love you, too. Let me know if you have any questions or need anything. Was that a haiku? We'll be there next weekend. Okay, we didn't write that down. It was spoken word art of a sort, kind of like a Buddhist sand painting. It's been shared among us. 
It evoked a sensory response, which is the work of all poetry. And like our joys and our concerns, it's fleeting, it's over, and now we all go back to the work of life, to the great poem of your life, even and especially those who don't write poems. I will close for you and all of us with these words by Bob Dylan. I think a poet is anybody who wouldn't call himself a poet. Thank you for being part of our service today.